Hello and welcome to Grace Church Vienna. This Sunday, Klaus Potsch will continue to take us through the book of Daniel. In chapter 4, we learn about King Nebuchadnezzar's peace and pride, which gave him a false sense of security. But then the king's peace was shaken by Daniel's interpretation of a dream he had. We will see how this prophecy became real when the king, because of his pride, was humbled even to the point of living like an animal. Let's learn more now and see how he and his kingdom was restored and what this story foreshadowed. Today we are continuing in Daniel. I love this book. Some parts are pretty easy. Chapter 4 is an easy one, I think. The difficult ones are still ahead of us. If I get the opportunity to present that, I um, will do it if you want. But first of all, you know, man wants to compete. I was an athlete myself. I was a sprinter and a jumper. I wanted to jump higher as others, run faster as others. And what could be better to satisfy the, the desire to be recorded somewhere as in the Guinness Book of Records? So, and to tell you how old this desire is to be better and to be faster and to, to be greater than others was a man called Nimrod. He started the first attempt to be great. His name is mentioned in the list of descendants of Noah. In Genesis 10.8 we read, Now Gush became the father of Nimrod. He became a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord, and therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel and Erech and Akkad and Kalne in the land of Shinar. Well, there's in, in Turkey, in eastern Turkey, southeast Turkey, there's a mountain called Mount Nemrut. Sounds similar. Maybe over the time, the, uh, the letters changed a little bit, but the sound is the same. I was up there, and unfortunately, this is a very nice picture of this place. And some, I think there was a, um, a tomb in, on top of this mountain, and they piled stones and stones up so they'll make it still greater, the top. Unfortunately, there's not a person in this picture, so to get the idea how tall these this, uh, heads are, but I think it's about double or three times a man's height. Well, the Nimrod commissioned the first click, please. Yeah, um, he started uh, the Tower of Babel. And if you want to know how this looks like, so you go into the Museum of Fine Arts in Vienna, and Peter Brechel, the older, painted this picture. Nice picture, good imagination. It it seemed to be. Not finished, never was finished, because they thought. Now in the whole world, had uh, had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in China and settled there. They said to each other, "Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly." They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, "Come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower that reaches to the heavens." so that we may make a name of ourselves, otherwise we will be scattered over the face of the earth. 
that thinking was wrong. Because the construction that they did was the reason that they were scattered and not a security where they could sit in there and defend themselves against enemies. No, God had his finger in and just drove them out. And now you... This tendency to build tall buildings still continues, especially now with the whatever construction. So either you do it like the Americans, you have a steel construction and then put um, walls up, or you have a reinforced concrete, steel skeleton still, but with, with concrete um, as a fill, fill them up. It's a gigantomania. Here you see that the tallest buildings that are at the present at the, on the face of the earth, the Bush al-Khalifa, I tell you, when you see a picture from top, you think, I don't want to be the one who put the last piece on them. <laughs> because it's 800 meters, incredible. And, and I think it's in, um, in Saudi Arabia, they're building one that is to post, uh, supposed to be higher than 1,000 meters. When you look at the list, you find out, except for one, the One World Trade Center in the middle, that's in New York, and everything, every other building is in, South, in Asia. So they think, oh, we can do it, we are now the strong tigers. Well, and what about Europe? Well, Europe also. The ten tallest buildings in Europe, seven of them are in the Moscow Financial District. Does this tell you something about the psychology of Moscow and the Russians? Well, and what about old, good old Europe and good old America? It is kind of um, devastating, the comparison. We have the Sears Tower. The picture is not here. But you have the, uh, the one to the left is the Empire State Building, an old one, Manhattan. Everybody knows the Tour Eiffel. Yeah, is uh, in Paris, Eiffel Tower, 300 meters, and what we in Vienna, we are proud, we have two skyscrapers. The DC Tower and the Millennium Tower, 200 meters. Well, now, this is the situation about the gigantomania nowadays, but we're going back to Daniel chapter 4, and in, in the earlier chapters of the book we saw in which categories the king, Nebuchadnezzar, the, the reign of uh, Mesopotamia, was thinking. He had the golden part of the statue that will be crashed by Jesus the rock. This was chapter 2. That's the first of the four empires that fell. And in the next chapter, chapter we see that he erected a golden statue that everybody has to revere, bow down, and so on, and even that statue fell. Did you learn? Um, he, he did not. Yeah? Nebuchadnezzar, we have now. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of to all peoples, nations, and men of every language that lived on the earth. May your peace abound. All the, um, the governors, uh, the people in power who reigns, the kings... They greeted their nations and their, their people with peace. In Hebrew, shalom. Well, it's a general greeting, but um, if you study, and what I heard or read, read, is that shalom is not just peace. 
the opposite of war. It's just a well-being, abundance, a nice life, and so on. So he tells them, uh, of course, see what you have here. Be, be happy. Yeah? Maybe middle-class people, everybody has his job, and so on. Uh, everything is fine. Enemies don't bother or threaten the empire. And then he starts. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at ease in my house and flourishing in my place. Well, does he really have peace? Does he experience inner peace? That's the point. Now, maybe he, he, he has peace in his family. He, everybody obeys what he says. That's also the very nice, peaceful. Nobody's talking back. <laughs> this <laughs> and he has abundance for his uh, uh, subordinates and, and subjects. And he mentions the, the most high God. It's very tricky, and you can read into this something. The, the article the means that he says, well, this is the most high God, higher than other gods. So he doesn't see, we don't know whether he sees the most high, the only most high God, yeah? although we have in the Bible the most high very often as an expression. But the question is, he's, he mentioned the most high after the experience with the fiery furnace, the golden statue, and the crumbling um, statue. But the thing is, Nebuchadnezzar was an eye person. And it's a, the, the piece of the ungodly. They are basing their power and their peace on material possessions. Well, I have two cars, I have a, a, a weekend home, or whatever. If you look at uh, Prince Eugene, he had a winter palace downtown, Belvedere, the summer palace, and a hunting palace next to the Marg. Nice life, ever peace, yeah? But, and the thing is, everybody says, I have done it, I have done it, yeah? I remember I was once um, skiing, and the, uh, the lift had three, three seats for the, for the chairlift, and there were two very funny Germans sitting next to me, and I said, well, someone told me that my project was doing fine, and we were getting good results. I said, I had to lay down the phone to pat on my shoulders. Yeah? <laughs> Promise uh, Nebuchadnezzar did the same thing on the city wall, looking down on, 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 on uh, um, Baghdad at that time. And what, what was the problem of Nebuchadnezzar? The problem was pride. I did it. You know that the, all authoritative persons or who are at the top, they are egomaniacs. They are narcissists. I did it. I, I'm the best. Look at Napoleon. Look at Stalin. Look at Hitler. Look at Idi Amin. Look at our friend in Putin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They think they are the best. Yeah. Everything. They are. They are the. The, the planet and all the satellites swirl around them. But God teaches them a lesson. And this is the lesson that we hear about in, in this chapter. The problem is pride. And if you do a Bible search, 
or build the world's pride, you get above more than 50 mentions. Here are the, most, the ones that are, I think are more, most pertinent to the situation here. And my, and my all-time favorite is the one in red. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. Well, there are people who remind you, like we'll see Daniel reminds Nebuchadnezzar, well, get down from your throne. I remember a friend of my wife told her, well, I'm praying that you get the contrite spirit. And not so long ago, another friend told me, Klaus, you have to be humble. And I looked at my situation do I really exert pride and show everybody that I'm better than, than they are? Well, I turned inside and well, maybe I still have to work in that area, but therefore I, I think I should not stand up here. The preacher should stay at the same level. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Nebuchadnezzar was this I person. And in, in, some years ago, the... Um, in Germany, they had the expression, the sogenannte Ich-Fabrik. Yeah? Same thing. And I wonder if a person in Babylon once wrote the Dear God letter. Do you know what this is? Dear God, our king thinks he is you. Can you please fix this misconception? <laughs> it's, a, the, 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 it's an adapted joke, yeah. And as we will see in the rest of the chapter, God does deal with arrogance, with haughtiness. He sends him a wake-up call in form of a dream. Honestly, I do not like dreams. You know why? Because the problems... I'm, I'm a person who looks everything is fine, but the problems that I have, I suppress into subconsciousness. And these problems come up in dreams, and I wake up not very happy. Not so long ago, I'm now almost, almost 10 years in retirement, I dreamt about my office, my former office and the problems there. I said, can't I get rid of those? No, something came up. Yeah? Um, but God in the Old Testament very often communicates with his people through dreams. I don't know if it does now in churches communicate with dreams, when you go to a Pentecostal church, you, you, you may often hear, well, I've got a revelation. Yeah? This is in the form of a dream. I'm a different type. I don't say, say that this is bad. Yeah? I'm a different type. My friend told me I'm totally intellectually controlled. My spiritual life is controlled by my intellect, not by my emotions. Although another friend said, well, Klaus, you have emotions. <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, And when, when we think about why did Nebuchadnezzar need that dream? Did he not learn from the former um, event with Daniel? Again, a, what a very nice statement from my two German friends on the chairlift. We looked down and there was someone, a beginner, just inching their way with a snowplow around <laughs> and one of them said, some never learn it, some even later. <laughs> Very sarcastic, but sometimes if you can think, Nebuchadnezzar is one of those skiers. 
So, we are here now. Yeah. I saw a dream and it made me fearful. And these fantasies as I lay down on my bed and the visions in my head kept alarming me. Remember, chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. What did he do? He called the, the experts, the wise men. But they couldn't tell him. And he, he does the same thing. Therefore, he called for wise men because he couldn't make a rhyme or reason out of the, of the dream. But finally, Daniel came and he was relieved. Daniel, who interpreted the dream in, in the chapter 2, but for here, you will see in a, in a, in a moment, in the, chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar did not tell the dream, and God told the dream to Daniel, and he interpreted the dream. Here, Nebuchadnezzar will tell us his dream. Makes it a little bit easier, the whole thing. And he addresses uh, Daniel with his um, Babylonian name, Belteshazzar, because he thinks he, uh, Daniel has a connection to his god, Bel, yeah? Baal, yeah, in German. Well, here's the dream. There was a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew large and became strong, and its height reached to the sky, and it was visible to the end of the whole earth. Its foliage was beautiful and its fruit abundant, and it was food for all the beasts of the feet and shade under it, and the birds of the sky dwelt in its branches, and all living creatures fed themselves from it. It's a picture. But Daniel, of course, can interpret it because he knew that its tree is often a symbol for a great ruler. Yeah? He has the power, that's the trunk of, of, of the tree. He has branches, his subordinates, ministries, and so on, experts. And then he gives shade to the people, a nice life, and fruit. tree has fruits. And they are well fed. So, but that's, the, that's the, uh, the, the one side of the coin. But there's another side of the coin. Every coin has two sides. Yeah? An angelic watcher came, a holy one descended from heaven, and he shouted out and spoke as follows. Chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip off its foliage and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts free from under it and the birds from its branches. Yet leave the stump with its roots in the ground, but with a band of iron and bronze around it, it uh, in it the new grass of the field, and let him be drenched with the dew of heaven, and let him share with the beasts the grass of earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let a beast's mind be given to him, and let seven periods of time pass over him. Again, a picture, abstract, and what I, I learned, I think this is, was a, a lesson for life I read in, in, you know, this little booklet, Daily Bread. They had in former times that the daily devotion, and then now and then there was something theological, a theological booklet, and one was a Bible interpretation. So Bible interpretation goes like this. You read it, you take the words literally, the content. If that doesn't work, 
think historically. Is this a his historical story and so on? And if not, then take it figuratives. And this is where we are here. Figurative interpretation. Of course, Daniel can do it. The question is, there's an mention angelic watcher. That may be new to you, of course. It's also not very often mentioned. Simply said, it's a heavenly being. Vigilant, a guardian and holy, so it must be an angel, period. Very simple interpretation. Nebuchadnezzar's mind will be changed to the end, to the one of a beast. No talking, no boasting, just figuring out where to get food. Just downsizing. There are very, very rare cases in, in the, med, in the med, medical area where people, the psychiatrists, know of cases where people thought they were animals. Like the concept of, the, of what's used in the movies, the werewolf, where a person changes into a wolf. And there's also one case I read that the psychiatrist saw a person, a patient, who thought he was an oxen. Yeah. The question is, of, of course, how did the person who thinks, or how does a person think who thinks she's an animal or he is an animal? Is the perception, do they think the same way we think now um, in, in, in social context, political context, ethical context, or is there just the basic, the basic um, activities, eat and progenerate. Well, we'll see. Well, the tree is still alive. The roots preserve the juice, and in the next growing periods, the, the juice comes up and the plant uh, flourishes again. This is why the, the wine farmers have, have to cut the shoots off so that they have next year and new shoots and new wine, new grapes. The, strunk, the stump of the tree is held together. Also very interesting. Um, what, do you, what do you think is that when that the tree falls apart, if you cut everything off, it dries up, and then it gets cracks, and then it, it rots, and then it falls apart. But not so here. And how long will this period last? Seven times. Times in the later chapters, chapter 7, you will learn that a year is one uh, period, one time. It has to do, if you connect that, then to Revelation, uh, the uh, uh, the rapture and the tribulations, then you find out that there's also uh, used the word times. It's the same situation that um, Nebuchadnezzar is in, that he needs a revelation. So Daniel in interprets the whole thing, and when he hears the, uh, the, the dream told, he hesitates. It's not that he's unable and waiting from inside coming from the Lord, he knows immediately that this is 
directed towards Nebuchadnezzar. It's the story about his future. Oh, yeah. But then he starts. He has courage, yeah, and guts, and he tells, um, starts his interpretation. The tree that you saw, it is you, O king, for you have become great and grown strong, and your majesty has become great and reached to the sky, and your dominion to the end of the earth. What did I say? The Tower of Babel towards the top, to the towards heaven. Here, his majesty became great and reached to the sky. So it's the tree grow too tall. So, but you need need some cut. And when you hear the the words in verse 22, it's you, O king. Does it remind you of something? Another story in the Bible? No? Nathan and David. Nathan confronts David about his crime, sending Uriah to the heat of the battle so that he dies, so that he has then can marry or be a spouse to Bathsheba. And Nathan starts with the word, it's you, O king, because Nathan tells him a story, and David thinks, well, what, what is this story about? No, it's about you. Continuing, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, again, Most High, remember, which has come upon my Lord to the king that you be driven away from mankind and your dwelling place will be the beasts of the field and you will be given the grass to eat like cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven and seven periods of time will pass over you until you recognize that the Most High is the ruler over uh, the realm of mankind and bestowed it on whomever he wishes. And in that it was commanded to leave the stump with the roots of, tree, of the tree your kingdom will be assured to you after you recognize that it is heaven that rules. So Nebuchadnezzar has to learn the lesson. He gets the warning. But Daniel is, can told his etzes. You know what etzes are? It's an unsolicited advice. Uh, it's Yiddish, and it's very interesting what he says. Therefore, O king, may your advice be pleasing to you. Break away from your sin by doing righteousness from your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor in case there may be a prolonging of your prosperity. So, Nebuchadnezzar was prosperous. He's promised to be prosperous again. But on what condition? That he has um, empathy with the poor. Yeah, every society has rich people, has poor people, and he should not forget the lower classes. In um, showing mercy and uh, doing righteousness, doing the right thing. No, no corruption or something, similar things. Yeah? Uh, judge, uh, judgments um, that are not right, yeah? condemning people to death that don't deserve it, and so on. No, but Nebuchadnezzar was a hard case. The first two times he didn't get it. Yeah? Some never learned it, some even later. But 
This time it, it seems he will learn. And all this happened to Nebuchadnezzar the king. It says in verse 28 and 29, continuing, 12 months later he was walking on the roof of the royal place of Babylon. Can you imagine Daniel who interpreted the dream, the dream for him and who is probably in a very close contact. He was probably sitting on the council of all, of all the, the provincial rulers. And he may have, in a break or afterwards at a meal, shared again with Nebuchadnezzar his vision or, or the, the substance or the essence of God, that he is there and that he has the power. But it took him 12 months. 12 months he did not react. The king reflected and said, Is it not Babylon the Great, which I myself, have, I myself have built as a royal residence by the might of my power and for the glory of my majesty? So pride is still prevalent, shining through. And, and it happens like this. Click. And here the narrative, it's very interesting, it changes from the first person to the third person. A drastic change happened. Here you have him. Nebuchadnezzar became an animal and grazed in the fields. He became a vegan, not by choice. Well, can you imagine the, well, <laughs> when I was jogging on Dona Insel? You, you see them some some flocks of sheep fenced in, and they move them as lawnmowers. And maybe there was Nebuchadnezzar in the flock. Just... <laughs> have to be, sorry, my imagination is a little bit vivid. <laughs> but what is the... Is there historical background for that? Can we back it up by documents and so on? Abidenus, a Greek historian, wrote in 268 BC that Nebuchadnezzar was possessed by some god and that he had immediately disappeared. Psychiatrists may interpret what I just said of people thinking they are animals or, and so on. But um, and this is over a seven-year period. When you think that the emperor is removed, what happens? There's a vacant seat. There must be fights in court. Can, I will get in, on, the, on the throne and so on. But no. We see that by two metals, iron and bronze, the stump was held together. An interpretation, a guess, a guess, be careful, it's not written here. Daniel was in a high position and it's really possible that God let Daniel hold the, the empire together. Well, some dismiss the account of Nebuchadnezzar's message as unhistorical, but there is no historical record of his governmental activity between 582 and 575 BC. Silence is deafening, especially when we keep in mind how Near Eastern leaders liked to um, um, egotistically uh, blow the trumpet and, and um, advertise and record their achievements and hide their embarrassments. This is, when you look, so there's a saying, the victors write history. And defeats are not mentioned. 
Therefore, what I heard was that it is so hard to pinpoint which Egyptian pharaoh reigned when there was the exodus happening because there was nobody, nobody chiseled the Red Sea flood and so on, the disaster there. No, we don't know it. Is it so important? Actually not. We know it happened. It served not a military purpose. It served a spiritual purpose. So, but the whole thing is, if we, nowadays we would call this effect that Victor writes the history is message control. We had this recently in Austria, message control. I think a staff of 35 people controlling them, the achievements of the propaganda of the government. So, now, he woke up from his madness and acknowledged now God as the real Most High. But at the end of that period, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my reason returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion and his kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, but he does according to his will in the, most, in the host of heaven and among inhabitants of the earth. And no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? And we see here a repetition of words. In the, in the first, in the beginning of the chapter, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom endures from, from generation to generation is here now repeated in verse 34. But now, when in former times, it um, was, uh, consider, he considered this as an expression of courtesy, Höflichkeitsfloskel yeah? in German, but now it seems to have meaning to him. He really meant it. And at that time, uh, um, my reason returned to me and my majesty and splendor were restored to me for the glory of my kingdom. And my counselors and my nobles began seeking me out. So I was reestablished in my sovereignty and surpassing greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven for all his works are true and his ways just and he also is able to humble those who walk in pride. So you can consider, in the, in the truest sense of the number, Nebuchadnezzar was on a sabbatical. Seven years. Seven years. Seven is also a holy number. It means completeness. There are also numbers um, that signify the same thing. But his, the power and splendor was restored to him. So everybody acknowledged him again. Uh, and... Um, acknowledged his authority in court, so he could run the, the uh, empire as before. And then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him rule over the whole province of Babylon and chief pre um, prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. So again, uh, who got the credit? The man of God, Daniel. And James 4, 6, we had, had this, um, the verse already uh, projected on the screen. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Life was as before, 
people respected him who was an animal for seven years. And the lessons, what do we learn from that? There's no sermon without lessons. It is a lesson to us all. The ones who run a state, a company, a family, take Nebuchadnezzar's experience to heart. Don't be proud and don't be um, a tyrant at home and hostiran. Yeah? So you should have good relationship with your spouse and so on and, and make uh, mutual decisions. What also we... Yeah. Um, God grants power to the rulers. We in, that's important. The, the power, the authority that the rulers have is given by God. Paul says that in Romans 3.1, every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. And you ask sometimes yourself, why do, we, why do nations or states have crazy people on top? Yeah? We don't know, but there must be a reason. Like if you, if you, if you read Habakkuk, it's the first chapter. I'm not sure. I preached on Habakkuk here once, I think. And Habakkuk wonders, well, there's such a disaster, such corruption and, and, and um, unrest in Israel. And then come, come the Assyrians. They are worse. God, why are you letting this happen? Why do we have... Why did we have Napoleon? Why did we have Hitler? Millions died because of those people, yeah? because they're sitting in, in their safe place and just giving orders. Uh, recognize that heaven rules and break away from your sins. That's always good. First, but you have to recognize that you're a sinner. You have to be aware where you are sinning. The Holy Spirit may lead you to the areas that where you're weak in and then break away. And as a response, you show mercy to the poor, do righteousness, and he humbles those who walk in pride. We have seen that. Yeah. And what was Nebuchadnezzar promised? Long, uh, longevity, prosperity. So if you do all these things, yeah, first seek his righteousness, and everything else will be given unto you, Sermon on the Mount. But there is on a broader scale, we also see that Nebuchadnezzar's madness foreshadows the madness of Gentile nations in the rejection of God. Nebuchadnezzar rejected God, the nations will reject God. We have enough people on earth who do not acknowledge Jesus. Well, sorry, that's the case. Nebuchadnezzar's fall typifies Jesus' judgments of the nations, and Nebuchadnezzar's restoration foreshadows the restoring of some of these nations in the Millennium Kingdom. Some will be restored, some will be taken up, some will be live in heavenly bliss, but some will have to experience the distance to God, yeah, loneliness. But I want to finish up with final words from the Old Testament 
You know I'm a fan of Old Testament because they're nice stories, but there are also have really heavy truths in there. Ezekiel 7:24, I will also I will also make the pride of the strong one cease, and the holy place will be profaned. And Isaiah 13:19, and Babylon, the beauty of kingdom, the glory of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. And Isaiah 33. 23 and 9, the Lord of hosts has planned it to defile the pride of all beauty to despite all the honor of the earth. So go in peace and try to find pride in your life and get rid of it. Thank you.